So I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5. We are continuing on in our series called Let It Rain. And we have that series based off of verse 40, well, 44 and 45 of Matthew chapter 5, um, where Jesus says to the crowds that are gathered, speaking about his Father and the grace that he gives, Jesus says he makes it rain on the just and the unjust. And thank God he does so. And as we have been moving through the Beatitudes, we finished last week with the last Beatitude, but now we move into how does Jesus explain to us the pragmatic, the praxis, if you will, of these brilliant, uh, life-giving, um, eternal rewarding principles in verses 1 through 10. So now he shifts and he seeks to inspire. And I have to tell you, this week, I was so excited about being gathered together with our, our church family outside. And we had made some major plans, uh, a, a baptismal service. We were going to have some very unique things as part of our service. And really sensing that, that we desperately need this time together. I'm hoping that I'm a little bit wrong here, but I will tell you that when we first started broadcasting, I would look before I would come up and there'd be about 35, 40 people on Facebook. I looked just a few moments ago and there's seven. And it's not that I think only seven people are tuned in because through our tech team, we now are doing it through Vimeo and we're also doing it through a YouTube channel. So I'm hoping there's 400 people on those other channels. But I know the reality of what has happened for six months is it's a slow deterioration away from that which inspires. And it's a lot like how Paul wrote to Timothy who was feeling down because of his circumstances. And Paul said, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. It's smoldering. So you need to make the effort, Timothy, to bring this back up into a raging inferno of passion. Based off that last statement, you can see this is going to be a very interesting message tonight. So the title of tonight is Inspired Bowling. And now it's my duty to help walk you through that and figure out how on earth do we get to inspired bowling. It's a, it's a little bit of a play on words, but it's also uh, referring to kind of the concept that today was the opener for the NFL Thursday night, but today was the real opener to the NFL season because my team played. And it came down to the last three seconds, the LA Chargers, yay, Evan sent, against the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals, and much like what the Pharisees said, can anything good come out of Cincinnati? That was a, I don't know that that was exactly a perfect quote, but it came down to Cincinnati driven all the way down and all they had to do was a chip shot field goal. And, uh, and it would have tied the game. And I sat there in a crisis moment and I prayed, I need inspiration, God. I need to know that you're there. I'm actually gonna pray that they miss the field goal. And I sat there staring at the computer screen. And here he comes, 
And I saw what I could not believe, but it was inspirational. I stood up out of my chair. I thrust my arms in the air and I screamed, victory! The guy shake. I don't even know if the ball made it past the, the field goal. And he grabs his calf. And for a split second, I thought, oh no, I'm responsible for that. <laughs> and and, and I, I repented for a moment. And then I was caught up in the throngs of victory again. Now, I could have gone boldly. Well, actually, I can't because now the bowling alleys are open. But imagine the idea that we can experience that kind of exuberance or we can go bowling. And I know right now there's, I'm going to start getting texts from a bunch of haters that love bowling. Just please go with it because I'm going to wrap it into the actual wording of our text. And that is a play on words as well. The text we're going to do something a little bit different. So at the beginning of the message right now, I'm going to tell you what I need from you. Because I miss you so much, we're going to make you part of the message. We're going to give you the opportunity. Now, this has to be live. Please don't text me if you're watching this past 10 o'clock tonight. Um, but if there is something that God has done through or around you or to you through someone else or just through a supernatural process that has given you inspiration, that, that you have seen the light of Christ at work around you. I want you to text that story. Now make it short, because I'm going to read some of these. But text that story to 925-708-6730. 925-708-6730. And at the end of the message tonight, I believe I will have some texts from people that are watching tonight that have some stories of how God has worked in, through, or around them with inspiration. I certainly hope so. Otherwise, this ashen, downcast uh, shade is much deeper than I thought it was. Uh, imagine, as we get into this text, imagine two different worlds here. I love the Lord of the Rings series. I don't know how many of you out there are like, oh my goodness, not that guy. Or you're like, yes, and you're reaching for your Gimli Acts right now. But I even reviewed for this message because I was trying to think of, of the, the contrast of someone who has become so mild-mannered. They're, they're boring. They're droll. If you walked into the room and they were the only person in the room, you would have a conversation with the lamb. Okay? There are individuals like that because their circumstances strip them of their joy or their inspiration. And somehow it becomes a pattern where that's all they can see. I think that we as the church are dangerously close to being that. I think not just myself, but other pastors see that as we go month after month after month without being able to be together and have our normal rhythms of being in community and holding each other accountable and inspiring one another, I think we see the drop-off that comes naturally if we're not paying attention. 
I think we see the lack of inspiration. And so I was thinking about Lord of the Rings, and, and one of the most brilliant moments was right at the gates of Mordor, right? And, and it's the end of Return of the King, and, and Aragorn is riding back, and he had, he had met with, I don't know, an orc or something. And so he's coming back, and they are surrounded 400 to one man odds. It, it's impossible. And as he rides up, let me take you back to where we start with the story. You see, Aragon, when we met him in Fellowship of the Rings, he was flying solo. He didn't want to partner with anybody. He had this incredible lineage and calling, effectual calling, and yet he was denying it. He wanted to be in the shadows. And at that time, he was known as Strider. And along came some influential uh, voices to him and called him to something more. And now we go to the end of the series and he's riding back and he sees the men of Rohan. And as he rides back, he starts this impeccable and, and inspirational speech. And here he is with his cape and, and here he is with his big broadsword. And he starts screaming from his horse. I see the fear in your eyes that would rip apart life from my very soul and heart. How am I doing? I, I didn't win any Academy Awards with that. But then he goes on to say, I know that you think you will lose. And then he says this, but not this day. And then he says something else about vegetables or something, right? And how ugly orcs are. And he says, but not this day. And then he says, men of Rohan, stand up for the man next to you, for your women, for your children, for all the good in earth. On this day, we will rise. And the men take their swords out and they thump their chests and they know nothing has changed. But they're inspired. And with a soul speech, the man who had just been hiding in the shadows and was a strider, just a strider, a ranger roaming free, refusing to be a leader, invoked within these men who would face certain death to pull their swords from their scabbards, to thump their chests and let out a war scream. That's who the church should be. That's who Jesus has called the church to be. And all around this world, there are those who are part of the church that are doing that very thing. We need to hear about it because so many of us are living in the shadows and we've been slowly put there or drugged there and we don't know how to get out. Tonight, Jesus is going to tell you how to get out. He's gonna give you a reminder. You may hear my text going off I did my best to silence my phone, but that is inspirational because people are sending me stories. So let's get into the word. Let's get into the text tonight, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Now remember, Jesus has given this list of impossible things to do, and they come with a, a, a very real life in the moment. You will be blessed. You will have joy that goes beyond your circumstances. That's what blessed means. If you try to become, through the power of the Lord, uh, meek or merciful or understand what it means to be poor in spirit or, uh, you know, on and on. 
merciful, being persecuted for his name's sake. And then if you practice those things, not only will you be blessed now, but there will be a reward later in heaven. And so he goes through this list of impossible things that are only possible through the Lord. Now what he does is he shifts. And what is the very first thing he starts with? He starts with inspiration. Because if I had been listening to this, if you had been listening to this, you would be sitting there saying, uh, can I do a drop ad fail for this class, please? Because there's no way. I'm not going to pass. And, and I, you know, so I'm, I'm looking to head down the hill and get myself a nice falafel and, and ride a donkey, okay? So thanks, Jesus. See you later. Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, had a reason for sharing what he shared. Part of it was forecasting or foreshadowing who he is, who he would be over the next three years of ministry, but also to inspire us that we can accomplish those things through his power. It is possible. And not only is it possible, it moves us out of the shadows into the one who will lead individuals into inspirational moments against evil. Here's the text. You, you, are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven i don't know how many of you who are watching right now are from conquer bible church but you see the lights behind me you should be inspired I have waited the better part of two months to light some of these lights. We now have five lights lit. I believe that by the end of October, all of those lights will be lit. And you'll hear about that shortly. So let's look at the text. Jesus knows we need to inspire. It changes our heart. It changes our attitude. It changes our life when we live inspirationally. Again, we can watch football, right? I, I can watch the end to this game and be moved and inspired to stand up in my office like an idiot, raise my hands, nobody knows, nobody cares, and I'm, yes! Now, if I did that when we were bowling, people would start to question and move to other lanes, as well as I would. You get the picture, right? Again, I, I can hear the bowling haters coming through at me right now. But Jesus gives us inspiration. He knows we need to be inspired. He knows the value of the message of the kingdom. This was his purpose. He had just given a big part of that message of the kingdom. And now he wants to inspire individuals to say, take what I've shared with you, take this message, and now live it. Go do it. Because if you do, 
you'll live an inspired life, not one in the shadows. So he says salt. He talks about salt. You're no longer good for anything. And a lot of pastors, a lot of teachers go into these big, long explanations about salt. I'm not going to give you a big, long explanation because I don't really need to. Here's all you need to know about why Jesus said salt. I mean, it's kind of weird. Why, why would he say that? But at that time, salt was a huge commodity and it served a major purpose in preserving food. But if salt wasn't used in the proper sense or in the proper way, it would lose its effectiveness. Notice he says saltiness. I'm going to change that to effectiveness. And then what does Jesus say if that salt loses its effectiveness? He's using an illustration that they would understand. If their salt wasn't used properly, if it had not been um, utilized in essence and cared for, for the purposes that it was supposed to serve, then it was no longer effective. At best, you would take that salt and you would put it up on your rooftop. And as individuals during that time of, of uh, first century Palestine, uh, they would often be up on their rooftops. They would build it so that they could be up there. And so what would happen is they would say, okay, that's gonna work as a surface to cover the roof, and as we're walking, we will tamp that down. In other words, something that was utilized for daily living and sustenance and had so much importance was now so worthless because we didn't use it, we didn't care for it, it was no longer effective. The best it could be used for was a surface covering of the roof. Jesus gives us a very stout warning here. And that is, I just gave you an incredible message from the kingdom. If you do not use this, it will be rendered ineffective in your life. The message isn't ineffective, but in your life it will be ineffective. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel, my friends, is that it's presented to us, we're given free will to choose to follow it or not follow it. But when you choose to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom message, it leads to inspired living. It brings you out of the shadows. It reaches the person at the lowest depths. He also says we are the light. Now this is an interesting Proposition, Because Jesus is referred to multiple times in Scripture in the New Testament as the light of the world. And yet what he says now is that you are the light. He's using this as an illustration, and really in essence, he's helping the, the listener relate to how Jesus is this light of the world, and how that inspires, and it, it eradicates the darkness and he's giving a promise. He's saying, if you follow the kingdom message, then what happens in your life is inspired living, and that light of who I am comes in and emanates out from you. That's how all of this works. That's how the gospel of Jesus Christ works. The challenge that we have is a sin challenge. Sin is around us all the time. It, I believe fully that it is this malevolent, um, entity. Now that's just me. 
I'm going to write a book on it someday called Sin is Not a Four-Letter Word. And as I've looked through scriptures, I don't think sin is this arbitrary thing that's manipulated by Satan himself. I don't understand how that could be the case. It is used by Satan. There's a partnership there. But how could it be something that Satan has invented when Satan succumbed to it? God himself, the father, approached Cain and said, sin is crouching at your door seeking to devour you. We have a sin problem, and it wants to steal, kill, and destroy in partnership with Satan. So if I have a light of Christ in me, then what does the enemy want to do? He wants to tamper it down. He wants to make me bored with it. He wants to move away the things that inspire and keep me closely linked. We as a church body have been separated out, but I would contend with you, we're actually in a brilliant position to be light in this world. And the reality is for us to wrestle with, well, have we just given up too easily? Have we, um, have we been seduced away from our first love too easily? The gospel says this, that because of sin, and all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, because of sin, we are now separated from God. God created us, God made us for, uh, for eternal relationship. That's the beauty of who God the Father is, is that this isn't a contract, this isn't nebulous, it isn't binary. This is relationship, and that's why being separated from one another and the church family is so challenging and difficult. God has made us for relationship. And so God made us for relationship, but sin came into the world and man chose sin. And so because of that sin, there's a separation from God. And so God made a way for man to, through sacrifices and, and practicing of law and things like that, to find a, a sub-adequate way to worship him. But at just the right time, Scripture says that he sent his son to be the perfect answer for sin. And so God sent himself that he might pay the penalty for that sin for you and I. It is light fighting against darkness. And in the darkest moment, that's what's so, so brilliant about the gospel. In the darkest moment, when Jesus died on the cross, it seems like sin has won. In this darkest moment of these six months of being secluded or sequestered, it seems like the enemy is winning. I say no. I say it's an opportunity for us to speak out to that darkness because we know who has won. We know the victory is Jesus Christ. He has conquered. That's whose team you're on. And you should be raising your hands, not bowling a gutter ball. And so it says that if we have faith that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's the son of God, that he died and raised on the third day, and if we truly want to give our lives over to him and follow him and make him Lord of our life, then we now are redeemed back into the family of God, never to be separated. That's the gospel message. We do not have to live in the darkness. We do not have to give way and have our joy stolen away from us by the darkness. Now, for many of you, you may be saying, what are you talking about, PJ? 
We can't even meet together right now because of the apocalyptic ash cloud. I get it. Trust me, I get it. There is frustration. There is circumstance. My goodness, Jesus got scourged. He got beaten for our iniquities, right? He went to the cross because of sin. It was a dark, dark moment. But in those moments, that doesn't mean that God isn't in control. God doesn't get the victory. And eventually, because of the resurrection, what happens? Inspiration. The real true beauty of inspirational living. To be able to say, not this day. Not this day. We can rise out of the ashes. Because of Jesus. We can rise out of the ashes because of Jesus Christ. We look at all the problems that we have going on that are in our news. And I, I, would, I would just say this. It's much bigger than a racism issue. And I'm so frustrated that we're labeling this racism. It's so much more profound than that. Because if we make the mistake of, of calling what's going on and the darkness that's coming over our country and we label it racism for as bad as that is, that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of all the total problem. Right? How many of you know someone that when they're sick, <laughs> uh, they, um, they just take two aspirin and go to bed, right? And, and they say, I'll push through it. Where they probably should go to the doctor, they probably should take antibiotics, they probably should change what they're eating, they should probably get plenty of rest, right? There's, there's this comprehensive approach to getting well again. I fear that's what's happening in the narrative of what's going on in our country right now. Is that we want to narrow it down to just this one thing and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Right? We still see these acts of violence. We still see the disregard. And here it is. The disregard for human life. Yes, we have a racism problem. That's just a symptom of a much deeper problem, which is a dehumanizing problem. And it has been around since Cain killed Abel. If you are inconvenient for me, I will either marginalize you, right? So that's, that's the safe way to do it. I'll marginalize you. Or if I am so motivated, I will make your life miserable and I'll do everything that I can to eliminate you. Or if I can, I'll just kill you. And the way that people justify doing that is that we dehumanize the person. We don't see a person. And that's where part of me, part of me would say, we don't even see skin color. We see inconvenience. And if I can dehumanize the person that's inconvenient to me, it has nothing to do with their background, their nationality, their skin color, their socioeconomic. They're just an inconvenience to me. So all I have to do is make them a non-human in my mind, and I'm fully justified to do whatever I want. That's why a professor from a very well-known college said an individual was completely justified walking up and shooting someone in the head in the courtroom last week. 
is because they what? They deserved it. They deserved it. That is an illustration of what I'm talking about that is the deeper problem. Now, why did I go that direction? Because Jesus says we are the light. There is so much shade in our country right now. Where is the church? Now, the church has been out there in some places, right? So some of the things the church has been doing is having these big worship moments at the state capitol. Okay, right? That, that's that's kind of cool. I, I get that. And, and let's, let's get out there, be visible. <clears throat> Did that change anybody's life? Maybe. At least we're mobilized. At least we're doing something. At least we're out being salt. At least we're being a city on the hill. But at, towards the end of this message about ins inspirational bowling, I think you're probably landing somewhere in the area of playing chess. You graduated out of bowling and you've moved into playing chess. But again, maybe we want to start hitting home runs. Maybe we want to start making touchdowns. Maybe we truly want to inspire so we'll get to that here in just a second. My question is this, why do we continue to hide our light, our joy? I think about when I used to coach my daughter's soccer teams, and I went from a highly competitive uh, coaching level down in Southern California, and, uh, and, and played some college ball, and, and then went to AYSO, which I highly recommend for anybody who's coached at a higher level, Tried going down there because I was completely lost. Absolutely completely lost. And uh, I really got in trouble one day. Uh, and, and pretty much because I didn't know what was happening that day. That day they had what was called silence day. Where you're not allowed to cheer. I, I have no idea what the thinking was. Right? You are not allowed to cheer. You're not allowed to yell. You're not allowed to encourage. Uh, you're also not allowed to criticize, and I think that's why they made Silence Day. So in the effort to make sure people weren't screaming at somebody from the sidelines, and usually it's you parents screaming at your own kids, they eliminate the opportunity to say good things as well. I got like seven red cards. I could not keep my mouth shut. And everything that I was saying was like really good. And so I would be like, you know, yes, wait, and I was cheering for the other team because nobody was cheering, and I'm like, this is wrong, you can't live life like this. And so I say, great job, number seven, and the ref would look over, he's just shaking his head, smiling. You've got to stop, or I'm going to kick you out. I'm like, what kind of madness have we reached? I made a reputation for myself that day. May or may not have been a good one. So when we look at this passage, Jesus is being emphatic. He's just given some really good message. Really good message material. And then he says, now I need to inspire you. You are the salt of the earth. You need to be effective with this message of the gospel. You need to live it. And not just in the, in the quiet sequesterings of your own homes. You need to be out where people can see it. You need to be effective with the message of the gospel. And it will bring light and it will inspire the people around you. We live in a dark world. So there's two things, two scriptures that I want, I want to run by you here in how can we, how can we approach this concept as the church of struggling with the darkness and the, the depression 
and the goodness that's been stripped away from us, what do we do with that? Well, turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Many of you may be familiar with this passage. And I'm going to add a couple passages on, and then we're going to get to those stories in just a little bit. That I've only got two so far, so come on, folks. Somebody's got y'all got to come up with some inspirational stories. So uh, Romans be helpful if I was there. I was in Corinthians. Paul says this: I appeal. Right? He comes along and he says, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers." By the mercies of God, so not in your own power, but by the power of God, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what I do with my choices daily should honor the Almighty. That will inspire. And he goes on to say this. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, that means set apart. That means different and acceptable to God. What would God say about the last six months of the church? Would he be ready to say, as he did his servant Job to Satan, have you considered this person? I know that he would about some, but I also know that many of us have gotten depressed, we've gotten saturated by our circumstances, and we have slowly faded into the shade. And that's why this message is so important, is to wake us up, stop covering the light, and to wake up. And so he goes on and he says, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So number one, stop, stop getting involved. Stop looking like, stop sounding like the world. Folks, there's a lot of problems going on out there. They're not things that we need to engage with from a worldly perspective. We need to engage with them with real true answers of love, compassion, sacrifice, provision, care, the things that Jesus demonstrated while he was here. And he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We know that many of us need to change, and there's a lot of philosophies out there that are trying to take over our thinking. He's saying, stop with the worldly thinking. Transform your mind to be more like Christ. How are we doing at that church? And he says, if you do that, that by the testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good, by the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Then we're going to have stability in our decisions, in our life, and regardless of the circumstances, we're not going to feel unstable. And instability adds to that shade, and it steals away that light. We've dealt with COVID. We've dealt with toilet paper shortages. We've dealt with justice or injustice and violence. Now we're, deal we're dealing with apocalyptic fires. Guess what's next? Oh yes, that wonderful blessed thing called an election that's coming up. Many of us dread it. You know what I look forward to? 
I look forward to it because there is so much darkness that keeps growing every single day connected to this. And it's so about selfishness and power. Man just can't help himself. And so as we draw into that, you're going to see so many people that are going to get more and more angry. They're going to get more and more disillusioned and feel like whatever happens in Washington or at our state capitol is truly that which can affect us for the long term. I want to encourage you shift off of those things get your mindset off of those things think about your neighbors think about your family think about your church family right now pastors are more disconnected from their sheep more than ever in my lifetime i know three pastors in the past two weeks that have left the ministry because they're just so discouraged they're having their light get dim it's flickering not their salvation but their inspiration. I have a huge concern that our churches are lacking in being slow, they're, they're slowly losing their saltiness. They're being put under a bowl. So there is your connection to bowl. Can we take the shade off? Can we take the shade off of the light and live inspired life? So let me give you a picture of an inspiring church. Acts 3, turn there with me if you will, and then we'll wrap up. And we'll see what you guys have given as inspirational writings. Again, tonight we were going to be doing a baptism service, and those are always so exciting to me because you hear how the Lord has worked in someone's life to bring them from the dark into the light, which Jesus himself said it's easier for what a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a man, a rich man, to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It is incredibly difficult. It is a miracle when somebody moves from the cross of death over the cross of life because of Jesus Christ. So I love those. They're incredibly inspirational. So when I found out we can't do this, I was like, Lord, what is going on? And then he shared with me, inspire. You have plenty of stories. Inspire. I haven't changed. The gospel message hasn't changed. Listen to the early church. Acts 3, they're under persecution, things are challenging, things are difficult. Let's start in verse 11. So they have just healed, Peter and John have just healed someone who's paralyzed. And it says at the end of verse 10, it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him, him being the paralytic. So what happens here is Peter goes into a little bit of a speech. He says this, and this has to do with what an inspiring church looks like. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, he's basically saying, why are you questioning this? You know, Jesus was just raised from the dead. God can do these things. We didn't do it in our own power. We did it through God. Now, what happens next would never fly in the American church. Peter gives them a tongue lash. 
because they have so allowed sin to steal away the inspiration of what God can truly do that they were amazed that this actually happened. They couldn't believe that God would work in this way. And so Peter lets them have it. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we have to face the undeniable truth of what's going on in life. And so listen to what Peter says. After this inspirational moment happens, he's trying to course correct these people. He says this, but you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witness. We saw it happen. And by his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you. Peter didn't hold back. And I don't want to hold back tonight either. When it comes to the idea of inspiring, we have given up. We want to go bowling. We don't want to attempt great things. And that's why the church is lacking in inspiration. That's frankly why I think some of you were bored. Before COVID ever hit, I could see it. I could see it in your worship. You're bored. And I think one of the main reasons you're bored is that you really don't believe God can do some of this. And you don't ask, you don't seek, you don't put yourself in positions of faith to see God do the impossible. But for those that have seen God do that, when you have been involved, remember the Lord your God, and it will inspire you again. The message of the kingdom is a powerful message. They didn't just believe Jesus, they followed him. They took the message and then they applied it, which is exactly what Jesus is asking to happen. We were going to do baptism tonight. We're moving that uh, as an as a, uh, inspirational springboard. We've talked about how we're starting up life groups again. They're going to be safe. They're going to be COVID-specific. And, and so, but we've had a very slow response by the church. Saying, I don't need people. I don't need to be involved in anybody else's life. And yet we're miserable and we're depressed. Stop buying the shade. Take some steps of faith and start living an inspirational life. We're going to be launching starting to next Sunday, our outreach month. And we're going to see some incredible things happen. Let me encourage you to shoot for prime time, not night time. True inspiration catches fire and changes darkness into light. I'll give you one last illustration to this, or two, and then I'll read your stories. Uh, I posted some pictures on Facebook. Some of you can see them. Um, some of you don't have it. I wish we could do them through our media. I can't do it right now, but you can drive by the church and see. We have a monument project going on to change our monument, to let the church community and to let our community know that there's life here. There's something going on here. We had a prayer meeting going back to May when there was a protest march. We held a prayer meeting on the front of our property and we hung a huge banner. And we had a neighbor show up and uh, start taking pictures and they said, what's, what's going on here? And so I shared with her and I said, well, we're, we're gonna have a big prayer rally here while the march is going on and pray for peace and pray for justice and those things. And she looked at me and she said, who are you? I said, I'm the pastor here. She goes, there's a church here? 
I thought this was abandoned property. And so as I have tried to share the importance of letting people know first and foremost the gospel message of Christ and the life that that brings, the life-changing energy and, and inspirational eternal life that that brings, often I feel like it falls on deaf ears. I want you to think of the strider, right, Aragorn? He was living under fear. He was living under fear of failure. He was living under fear of what happens if I don't become who y'all think I'm supposed to be. But eventually he answered his effectual calling and he led men in an inspirational way through humility. Brothers and sisters, this is the problem we have. And as we have talked for three years, three years about changing a monument that is dated, has mineral deposits all over it, the letters are faded, there's weeds growing up around it, the lighting on it is broken, nobody cares. I didn't have one person from this church come to me and suggest we change that because it looked horrible. We care less how we look in our community. And I think there's some symbolism in that, that it transfers over into our lives in reaching out to our neighbors, our family, our coworkers. Just like Aragorn early on, we don't care because we're uninspired. We have forgotten about the light that is in us. Well, we didn't listen. I'm notorious for that. And so God created a way because if, if individuals here weren't supportive of changing that monument sign and cleaning it up and sending a message to the community, then I asked the Lord to provide the money elsewhere. And he did. So without a penny of, of the church's donations, God gave us the money to do an incredible monument. Can I share with you during the building of that monument for the past two months, there has been more engagement with our community by the three people that have been building that monument than anything else I know of this past year. People driving by and honking, people stopping and asking what's going on here. And it doesn't even look that good yet. But something that really inspires me is that my nephew, uh, just trying to find some things that I could help him feel more involved with, uh, maybe here at the church. And so, a, a wonderful man who's heading the project needed help. I connected my nephew with this wonderful man. This is one of the huge problems for the church is that the younger generation is uninspired because the church doesn't have a place for them. And so by inviting my nephew to come partner and work and learn some skills, and, and it was hard. They're working in 105 degree heat sometimes. They're working out in this ash, and they're being steadfast. And he now has a connection with a man who's 65, where that connection never would have happened, and there's some inspiration in that connection because they got together and they worked and they worked hard, even when it wasn't convenient. And then there's others that are contributing from the outside as well that, that are making it more and more and they're being inspired to make it the best thing we can possibly make. And it will be a beacon of light. It literally is going to have light circulating in the top of this rotunda. And people are gonna start to wake up and realize in our community 
This is not abandoned property. And I take this story on my shoulders as the pastor of this church. But I will tell you that I also met quite a bit of resistance where people were satisfied and say, why would we ever change it? We can live with that. That's just fine. Brothers and sisters, that's not what Jesus is talking about with the gospel message. Right? I'm just talking about an illustration here, but let's talk about what Jesus is truly talking about. An inspired life where you are shining your light and your effective calling is at hand. So I just pulled a Peter Acts 3. And I encourage you, come by. See what's going on with the sign. Because the sign is just a reflection of the goodness of what God is doing in this church. But we keep it under a, a bowl. We keep it under a shade. That's got to change. And you're going to hear opportunities for that to change coming up in the next month. Let's see what we have here. Okay. Well, I can't hide this name because they put their husband's name inside this. So this is from Marsha. Uh, Marsha Wessels. Um, she says, The shutdown has opened the doors for Ron and me to begin conversations with some of our customers. We have spoken to one many times and encouraged him to turn to God's Word and Christian radio. He comes into our business at least once a week, and every time we see him, he starts the conversation. We are praying for his salvation and are so grateful for this opportunity. Yes! I am inspired by what you're sharing, Marcia. The door has been opened for me to speak with a customer service rep in Pennsylvania. During our conversations, I suggested the book, The Case for the Real Jesus by Lee Strobel. I sent him a copy, and a couple of days ago, I received an email from him saying, I finished reading the book and would like to have a conversation with you about it soon. Yes! I am praying for God to open the doors to his heart and have been praying that since the beginning. We also have a customer who lives near Lake Berryessa. His home burned to the ground about three weeks ago. Ron and I are reaching out as the Lord opens the doors of conversation. Without all this tragedy, I don't know that we would have had the opportunities that the Lord has put before us. We are praying for more opportunities to share God's love with unbelievers and to point them to our Savior. Yes. That's inspirational. And here is one, am I allowed to say who this is from? Sure. Okay, all right. <laughs> this is from Joe, our worship leader. Celebrated my anniversary Friday. I've been married to a godly woman for 21 years. See, there's inspiration. A front row seat to a person of faith inspires me every day. In these crazy times, she is my greatest blessing. Yes. Do not take what he wrote lightly because I just got done counseling multiple couples this week that are at each other's throats because they've been stuck in a house with each other way too long. Now, I make it, you know, I make it a little bit more palatable with sarcasm, but there's some serious challenges. So this is inspirational. Fantastic, Joe. Um, I got two more. Do we have time for this? I have no idea what time it is. We, it's not my fault. They got rid of the clock. And so I have no idea what time. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we were going to have a baptism service. It was going to go long anyway. So I had the pressure to go long. That go figure. First time in my life. 
Oh, no, Bob Huffman. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's why you don't do this. The very first thing he said is, please don't say my name. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to say it, Bob. Okay, so this is from Melody Johnson. Um, she says, the kids and I were able to bless two people with blessing bags this past week. They were very thankful we were blessed by it too. And so our care ministry came up with these blessing bags and our outreach team. And so I've heard multiple comments about how God has used that as an opportunity. Um, here's another one. A uh, new co-worker overheard me talking about church and asked me if I was a religious man. I said, I'm not a religious man. I'm a man of faith. And he said he did not grow up with it. And he seemed interested in what I have to say and said, if I have literature, or he said, I have literature if you're interested. He seemed interested and would let me know, praise God. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and so uh, I've got two others. I'm just going to truncate it. Um, uh, and so another individual who was without work, um, someone in this church, reached out and connected them up with another individual and that gave them the opportunity to have a, not just for themselves find work but have an actual changed life because of that connection because somebody from this church spoke up another situation um, someone was homeless and they found housing in two days the person is on fire for the Lord right now inspiration and, and so I just want to share with you, thank you for those who wrote in. Um, I just want to share with you, this is what your effectual calling is. Our responsibility to be the light to the world looks like that. But I want to encourage you as well, take that gospel message. And while I love the story about the monument sign and how that is getting built, and how God is, is making that. You know what I'm most proud of is five lights that are lit behind me. And if you don't know what those mean, every year we blank those lights out and turn off the switches. And the only way that one of those lights gets lit is if someone, because of this church body, moves from darkness into light. They move from being stuck in sin and destruction and feeling lost, um, discouragement, and the light of Jesus Christ comes into their life because someone from here has shared that with them. And so we now have five individuals whose lives are changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why those lights are there. And that's why those lights are part of our logo uh, that's why we hold to this whole idea of what you just heard out of Scripture. That let our light so shine that men give glory to God. They're drawn to God. I hope you're inspired tonight. Let me pray and we'll have the worship team come on up and lead us in a closing song. Lord, you are good beyond all measure. I pray that each of us would not just hear this message for ourselves, but you would lay it upon our heart to reach out. That maybe we, we call individuals 
this coming week. Maybe we do some act of kindness for someone this week. Um, maybe we sacrifice something we have for others this week. Maybe we just do what Christ did. Father, we may not be able to perform a miracle of healing where an individual who's paralyzed is no longer, but we can certainly make every effort to help heal people who are hurting. Raise up within us more and more inspirational stories that, so that we are who you expect us to be because of the message of Jesus Christ. Inspire us. Help us to remember to take away the shame so that you are seen clearly through your church. To you be all glory, Father. Amen.